Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. I'm one of the leaders here at Gawley Uniting Church and I'm very excited to be bringing the word for you this morning. Are we doing all right this morning? We're nice and warm, not too cold yet. Well, today it's very exciting because we are starting a brand new series called White Noise. White Noise. Many of us have heard the term white noise before, but if you haven't, I've got the def definition ready for you. Now, if you've heard me preach a couple of times before, you would know I love to define things. And so, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines white noise as a constant background noise, especially one that drowns out other sounds. When I study at university, I like to go to the library. And in the library, there's a nice big communal space where people go and there's lots of tables set out and they go and they study. Often, people go there with a friend and they study together. But what they actually do, they're not studying, they're talking to each other. They're having conversations about anything besides their study. And I know it sounds like I'm critiquing these people, but I'm actually not, because I'm very guilty of this. When I go to the library with a friend, I'm very prone to just talking about the footy or the basketball or anything else, anything to get me out of studying. But on the rare occasion, I have an assignment due and I actually need to buckle down and study it can be a bit distracting having all these people having conversations around me. And so what I like to do is I plug in my earphones. And I drown out the white noise of people having conversations around me with more white noise. I listen to music or a podcast. I create more white noise to drown out the initial white noise. Another example, I know some people who struggle to sleep at night, and so what they do is they might turn a fan on, and the whirring sound of the fan lulls them to sleep. There are also apps that you can download on your phone that creates white noise for you, and they have thousands of sounds on these apps. There's cats purring, there's rainforest sounds. You can even just get people talking I'm sure that there's one with just Morgan Freeman's voice talking you to sleep. What a great voice to fall asleep to. But my point is, we often use white noise as a sound mask. It drowns out the other noise. It masks that other noise. Now, I turn up my music to mask, it, to mask the sound of people chattering. People sleep to white noise to mask the lack of sound. But I'd venture so far as to say that this term white noise 
can actually be applied to more than just sounds. Take deodorant as an example. Deodorant is a white noise for scents, for smells. You know, when you're not smelling too good, you might spray a bit of deodorant or perfume or cologne to make yourself smell a bit better. It masks the unwanted smell. My mum used to spray the car down with air freshener after bringing me home from soccer because my BO and sweat stunk up the car. And so she'd use air freshener to mask the smell of my teenage odors. And so we can create unwanted, we can create white noise, sorry. We can create white noise for unwanted sounds. We can create white noise for unwanted smells. But here's a question. What white noise do we create for unwanted emotions? What white noise do we create for unwanted emotions? When we begin to experience unwanted emotions, what white noise do we use to mask them? I'll go first. Like I said earlier, I'm a uni student. And if there's one thing I'm great at, is procrastinating my assignments, putting them off until the very last minute and sometimes even after the very last minute. Why? Why do I do this? It's because thinking about uni and doing my assignments stresses me out. I feel anxious and even more so when I don't know what I'm doing. If I'm looking at this assignment, I'm just thinking, I have no idea what to do for this. I get anxious. I get stressed, and so it's easier for me to just go, nah, I'm not going to think about it. And what I do is I might turn on Netflix, or I might play some games, or I go out with some friends, or I do more church stuff. Now, here's a fun little fact for you. I actually put off an assignment to write this message this week. <laughs> How ironic is that? I got it done, but... I procrastinated, I created white noise. This message was a form of white noise to mask some anxiety I was feeling this week. But I'm sure this isn't just me. I'm sure I'm not alone in that I'm not the only one who makes white noise to mask unwanted emotions. No, we are, we are very good at creating white noise in our lives. And I'd argue many of us actually live with too much white noise. That's not to say white noise is a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that white noise is evil and of the devil. I don't think that's the case. Because if that was the case, this message would be from the devil. And I hope that's not the case. I know that's not the case. It's right. But white noise isn't inherently bad. And so I wonder, when unwanted emotions and feelings creep into your mind, what white noise do you create? I've got a couple of common ones up on the screen there. We have Netflix. I've put television in brackets because not all of us watch Netflix. There's social media, work, shopping, food, alcohol. Now, that's not an exhaustive list, but they were just some of the first ones to pop into my mind. But I'd argue that the biggest source of white noise in our lives are our phones. I don't have mine on me. I was going to pull it out really dramatically, but I think I left it on my chair. <laughs> Our phones are very good machines to create white noise in our lives. Maybe less so for the older people in the building, but if you're a millennial or younger, 
then phones are a massive source of white noise. If you had to guess how many times the average person interacts with their phone in a day, what would your guess be? Just, just yell out a number. Hundreds? Hundreds? Thousands? The answer is 2,600 times a day. It is estimated that the average person touches, swipes, or interacts with their phone 2,600 times in a day. Wow. That's over a million times over the course of a year. To put that into perspective, there are 31.5 million seconds in a year. So just by the numbers, people are interacting with their phone every 30 seconds. And it's probably less time than that because we've got to account for sleep, eating. Some people use their phones while they're eating. <laughs> so it's probably even less than 30 seconds. And these phones are so good at creating white noise in our lives. You know, so much so that we don't have to deal with our emotions. When unwanted emotions come into our lives, we just, our first instinct is to reach for our phone and scroll through Facebook, Instagram. I'm guilty of this. I do it all the time. But here's the irony. There is research to suggest that this is actually making those unwanted emotions more prevalent. The sadness or the depression, the anxiety we feel while scrolling, we're trying to put off by scrolling through social media is actually exacerbated by scrolling through social media. Social media is making us more anxious. It's making us more depressed. And so when we start to feel these things, we go back to social media, and then we get more anxious and more depressed. And so we go back to social media again, and it's a vicious cycle that keeps building. All this to say, the white noise we create in our lives, it's masking our emotions. And as a result, it's diminishing our ability to deal with our emotions. And just look at the mental health figures for our society right now. Depression is through the roof. Anxiety is through the roof. I'm starting to believe a big part of that is because there is so much white noise in our lives these days that people just don't know how to handle their emotions. And, you know, this is an especially big problem in the younger people of our society, the younger generation, the kids. And I've shared a couple of times while I've been up here that I'm a partial care worker in a primary school. And a big part of my job is supporting young, young children emotionally and socially. And a massive part of my job is just sitting with these kids, talking about how they're feeling, helping them process their anger or their sadness or their stress because they just don't have the skills to be able to process them. Because a lot of the time when they're at home and these unwanted emotions start to come, they have Netflix and TV at their disposal. They have games and iPads and smartphones that they can just turn to. YouTube is a massive form of white noise for the young people today. But whenever they're feeling unwanted emotions, they just create white noise. And they mask them. Not by any fault of their own, but because they just don't know how. They don't know how to process it. But how does God fit into all this? 
you know, looking at all this white noise and all these unwanted emotions, how does God fit in? If we look at a short little passage from the book of Matthew, we'll find out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I want to focus on this word pure for just a second. Now, often when we think of pure in heart, we think good. We think, you know, if someone's pure in heart, they're a good person. They have good intentions. And while, while that's true, that's one way to read this passage. Another way of interpreting it is pure as in clean. You know, like pure water. You now we hear the phrase pure as diamond. You know, what that means is the diamond isn't tainted. It's not cloudy. It's clear. You're able to see through it. So another way to read pure in this passage is to say clear. Blessed are the clear-hearted. A sober heart. A heart that is clear and able to focus. A heart that isn't distracted by white noise. But how do we do that? How do we make our hearts clear? I'm so glad you asked. Because the best part of all this is that God wants us to see him. It says they will see God. God wants us to see him. And so he has given us a way to clear our hearts and our minds. You know, there's been a movement over the last five years or so that many of us, particularly in the working class, would have experienced, and that's the mindfulness movement. Now, mindfulness is a pretty big buzzword at the moment, and it's often thrown into the same category as self-care. But if you are unfamiliar with what mindfulness is, it's the practice of observing your thoughts and feelings from a distance without judging them as good or bad. Instead of letting life pass you by, mindfulness means living in the moment and awakening to experience, being present to yourself and the world around you. You know, it's funny, because like with a lot of positive practices and disciplines gaining traction in the world right now, Christians have been practicing mindfulness for a really long time. Christians were way ahead of the curve with this. And perhaps the most important way that Christians practice mindfulness is by doing something I'm sure you would have heard of before, and that's prayer. When we hear the word prayer, we often associate it with talking to God. And while it's true that prayer is talking to God, it's also so much more than that. It's one of God's ways for us to practice mindfulness. Talking with God through prayer has this incredible ability to clear our hearts and our minds. And the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. And I've used the message translation of this because I just think it's so beautiful what he says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry 
at the center of your life. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What Paul is saying here is that prayer is one of the best ways to become pure in heart and in mind as well. For the people in the first century, heart and mind were one and the same. There was no difference between heart and mind. They were the same. Now, handing over our worries, our anxieties, and our concerns to God through prayer has an incredible way of taking the weight off our shoulders and clearing us from these unwanted emotions that we might be feeling. Last week, Glenna spoke to us about how we should pray. We looked at Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, where Jesus says, When you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. It doesn't say, when you pray, close the door and scroll through a BuzzFeed article that tells you which cheese you are. That's not what it says. Jesus tells us to pray alone and with the door shut so that there are no distractions, so that there is no white noise to pull us away from God. You know, if they had phones in the first century, I'm sure Jesus would have added, leave your phone in the kitchen to his list of instructions. One of the best ways for us to gain purity in heart is to spend intentional, unfiltered, undistracted time with God. Not just 10 seconds here and there when it happens to cross your mind but actually putting time aside and giving the time to God to rid yourselves of distraction and white noise so that you can focus wholly on God. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He will reward you. Now, what is this reward that Jesus is talking about? What is this reward? What if the reward is emotional clarity? What if the reward Jesus is talking about here is emotional clarity? Being able to work out what you're feeling and then being able to hand that over to God and have clarity. Maybe what Jesus is getting at here is that by practicing mindfulness, by spending time in prayer, we will receive emotional clarity. Like we read earlier from Paul, before you know it, when you pray, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. You know, for some of us, this is really scary. It can be really scary to have to turn down the white noise in our lives and come face to face with some unwanted emotions. It's scary to think about turning down the white noise and coming face to face with your anger, coming face to face with your stress, with your worry, your anxiety, your grief, your loneliness. 
It's scary to face these emotions. Maybe fear is the emotion that you're trying to mask. Some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm doing just fine the way I am. You know, I'm, I'm doing fine. Keeping the white noise at this level to stop me from feeling these emotions, it's, it's worked pretty well so far. It's doing a good job. And while that might be the case, everything I have learned in my psychology degree, everything I have learned through reading books, everything I have learned through my own experiences has led me to believe that it's not sustainable. It is not sustainable. Keeping up the white noise at a really high volume so that to stop yourself, to mask your unwanted emotions. It is not sustainable. There will be a point where if you don't deal with your unwanted emotions, they will make sure to deal with you. If you don't deal with your emotions, they will deal with you. Because the more you suppress these emotions, the more you mask them with white noise, the more you just sort of push them down, the more they build. You know, they don't go anywhere. It's not as if they just disappear. They're still there. And the more you push them down, the more they build. The more they build and they build and they build and they build until eventually it all just comes spilling out. And it might come in the form of a breakdown. It might come in the form of burnout. Or maybe it'll come at the cost to the people closest to you. You can't mask your anger or your stress anymore. It's built up so much and it's reached the point of breaking and so you snap at the people around you. Your children, your partners, your friends. Some of us may have experienced this before. Or maybe you might have someone close to you who never dealt with their emotions and you've had to witness the emotional fallout as a result. You saw the cost it had on them or you saw the cost it had on the people around them. If we do not deal with our emotions, they will deal with us. One way or another. To take this back to scripture, how can we expect to become pure in heart if our heart is constantly clouded with emotion? If we aren't dealing with our emotions and they're just sitting there, they're clouding our minds, they're clouding our hearts, they're stopping us from experiencing God. Jesus says the pure in heart or the clear in heart will see God. It could just be that these unwanted emotions, they're the very things that are stopping you from experiencing God to the fullest. So here's what we need to do. Like I said earlier, we need to practice mindfulness. We need to pursue this purity of heart, this clarity of heart that Jesus talks about. 
Because like we just discussed, we can't fully experience God while our hearts are clouded with emotions that we just refuse to deal with. So here are some practical steps you can take to practice mindfulness and get closer to being pure in heart. The first step is to identify your white noise. What is your go-to way of distracting yourself when unwanted emotions come up? You know, we can go back to that list. It could be Netflix, television, work, family, anything. Identify what it is and name it. You know, say it out loud if you have to. You know, maybe some of you are sitting there right now and you already know what that white noise is for you. But identify it. A second step is to experiment with it. After you've identified what your white noise is, I encourage you to experiment with it a little bit. You know, just, just try turning it down for a day or two and see what comes out of it. If you come home from work and the first thing you do is make a beeline for the red wine, try a glass of water instead. Or maybe if your phone is your white noise, try turning it off for a day. <gasps> I know, crazy, right? <laughs> they have an off button. Try turning your phone off for a day. If you have nothing crucially important that you'll need it for, try turning it off for a day or two. Or maybe if you can't turn it off, just delete the apps you know you'll gravitate towards. Try different things to turn down the white noise in your life. Experiment with it a little bit. The third step is to be intentional to listen to what your white noise is masking. You know, this is when the mindfulness comes in. Try to pay attention to what you're feeling. Is there sadness? Is there anger? Is there stress? Pay attention to your body. You know, you don't just feel things. Sometimes your body actually has physiological responses to your emotions. You know, is your heart rate a bit higher than usual? Are you, are you, are you a bit distracted? Can you, are you struggling to focus? What does all this mean? What could your body be trying to tell you about what you're feeling? And all three of these steps, at first, they can be really tricky. You know, it might take a little while or maybe even a long while. But for some of us, this can be really confronting. It can be really confronting to sit down, turn down the white noise, and sit with these unwanted emotions. It's challenging. It's scary. It could be the first time that you're coming face to face with these emotions. But I encourage you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, and don't judge your emotions either. Now, I've been very careful to work my language here around not labeling sadness or stress or anxiety as negative emotions. Because they're not. I genuinely believe that they are just as valid as happiness and joy. You know, they're not bad emotions. It's just a lot of the time we don't want to feel them. So don't judge them as good or as bad, but rather just identify them. Go, okay, 
I'm feeling a bit angry right now. And don't put it off as saying, oh, don't, that, that's bad. It's bad to feel angry. Because it's not. But just be aware of your emotions. And once you've done that, once you've identified what you're feeling, bring it before God. Pray to God and ask him to reveal where these emotions are coming from. If you don't already know. Maybe you, you start to feel an emotion and you already know where it's coming from. But maybe you don't. Maybe you start to feel a bit of grief and you're not quite sure why. Ask God. And he'll reveal to you where these emotions might be coming from. And then ask God to help you process them. You know, sometimes when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, I just sit in my car and I'll just, I'll just say, God, here's what I'm feeling and I'll just talk for 20 minutes and I'll just dump it all on God. And at the end I'll say, do you get all that? You know, sometimes it might just be you need to just get it out. Talk to God. And, you know, I can promise you that sometimes even just putting it out there will make you feel ten times better. But ask God to help you process them. And once you've done that, as we've heard from Paul already a couple of times today, a sense of God's wholeness and of everything coming together for good will come. I know that there's there can be there's a lot of hurt in this congregation. You know, the last eighteen months we've had quite a trip, haven't we? This isn't on my notes, by the way. I just feel like God's prompting me to say this. Some of us still have some hurt. There is still some grief. There is still some sadness. There is still some anger. And I don't know who is feeling this. But I just feel like God's saying to me that you need to, you need to bring it to God. Turn down the white noise. Bring it to God. Bring it to God. That's, that's all I have to say. Now, it's unlikely, if we get back to this, these steps that I've got on the screen, it's unlikely you'll get this down in the first try. If you do, that's awesome. But if you don't, that's not a reason to be disheartened. It might take a little while before you're able to do this practice and do it well, and maybe even longer until you start to notice a difference. But keep at it, because this is really important. Being able to deal and process with our emotions before they deal with us. So as I close up, I just want to extend an invitation to you guys. It could be that as I've been talking, some of these unwanted emotions that you've been trying to mask have started to come up. And if that's the case for you, I want to encourage you to not shy away 
Don't continue to mask those emotions. Don't continue to push them away, but rather sit with them. Bring them to God. Come face to face with these emotions. Bring it to God in prayer. And we'll have some elders up the front here that are going to be very willing and very able to pray for you if, you'd rather, if you want to do it now. But maybe you want to do it in your own time in private, and that's okay. But I challenge you, if you've, if you've started to feel these unwanted emotions and you don't want to do it here, go home and do it. Go home and actually do it. Don't just tell yourself you're going to do it, but actually go and do it. But for some of us, you might, you might want to you know, have a go at tackling these emotions right here, right now. We'll have, we'll have some elders up the front here. So if that's you, you know, come down to the front and receive some prayer because, like I keep saying, this is really important. You know, being able to process and deal with these emotions is really important. So we'll have the elders up the front here that will be able to pray for you and help you through that process. Because the fact of the matter is God wants us to see him. You know, God wants us to see him. He doesn't want us to be clouded with unwanted emotions. He doesn't want us to... Uh, be lost in our anger or our stress. He wants us to be clear-hearted because it's the clear-hearted that will see God. Excuse me. So, I invite you to pray with me. And like I said earlier, if, if you feel like you need some, some prayer, come down to the front. Well, loving God, we, we recognize that we are very good at masking our emotions. We're very good at putting them to the side. We're very good at masking them with white noise. So, loving God, this morning we, we ask that you would be with us. God, as we as we step into this challenge of turning down the white noise and experiencing these emotions that some of us have been putting away for a really long time. God, that you would be present with us. And God, we would have the courage to sit with these emotions and the courage to bring them before you. God, we ask for you to reveal to us where these emotions are coming from. And God, we ask for you to help us to clarify or to help us process them. God, we ask for a sense of your wholeness to come over us. Father, the sense of everything coming together for your good so that we can hand these emotions over to you and we can walk away in the freedom. The freedom of emotional clarity. The freedom of being pure in heart. So God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that you, know, you choose to do this for us and with us. God, you're a God of love.
Father, be with us this morning. Be with us for our weeks as you know, we come face to face with some of these emotions. God, be with us. Sit with us and help us to really put this practice into action.